Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on a Saturday afternoon. In the heart of football country and football season is alive and well. The first NFL game was played on Thursday. Numerous high school teams have already started. Many of them probably started last week. I know there have been some interruption with some of the bad weather we've been receiving, but um, college football is uh, in its second week weekend, if you will. Oh, Texas, Baylor, A&M. I don't know what some of the other Texas schools did. I heard SMU won. The, one of our members of our staff is uh, an SMU alumni. I don't know who they played. But anyway, tough all around around this area. Look, I, I graduated from University of Texas. I'm not one of those people that's like real hard against A&M. I mean, I'm not a huge fan. You know, I don't get involved in supporting their athletics particularly but I you know I don't mind watching them I don't you know particularly if they're not playing Texas I mean I don't mind rooting for them if you will and I'm not so invested that I root for them to lose like I might have in the past but nonetheless tough weekend last weekend for some I guess if you went to if you're from Liberty University if you're a Christian and and that was the school you went to like um, Nicole Hudgens who's studying for her master's I think she probably might have taken some joy in watching Baylor lose to them at home, but I don't know that she's all that invested in football. We'll we'll ask her the next time she's on the show. Anyway, so but a lot to talk about. Uh, this is not a football program, but we are in Texas. You know, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. My boys have their first flag football game on Monday, so that's going to be fun. They are playing on different teams this year, so we'll see how. Uh, that's just as a matter of their age. Sometimes they're able to play on the same team, but this year they're going to be split apart. So that'll be fun to watch on Monday evening. But a lot's going on. Look, at you know, I know that in some parts of the state you can hear us close to San Antonio. A big issue going in on San Antonio on Monday. School board meeting starts at 530. Get there at 430 to sign up. The school district has adopted a new policy that allows boys to go in the girls' bathrooms, shower rooms, and locker rooms. So you probably thought, oh, the legislative session ended. I guess we, you know, that issue will die down. We told you it wouldn't, you know, and I'm not here to be, I told you so, you know, about the issue and to try to just be um, obnoxious or whatever. Uh, but this is the work that we do. I mean, it, we don't make those arguments because. We're trying to scare you into doing something. It is the reality, okay? That was one of the reasons why we worked on legislation statewide so school districts would not have policies that allowed boys and girls' bathrooms because we told people this is what they're being pressured to do. This is what many of them think they should do, but it's not necessary. It, and it really is not, I mean, I don't think it's conducive with state or federal law. I mean, there's been litigation on this issue, and the reason I say that is because a lot of people think, oh, we're required to do this. This is this is our interpretation of federal law. It's an inaccurate interpretation of federal law. Federal law does not require school districts to adopt a policy that allows boys in a girls' bathrooms just because some people think that they are entitled to so-called discrimination protection based on gender identity, how they identify themselves regardless of how they were born as a boy or a girl. 
But we told you, we told people, this is a problem. It's a growing problem. And if this legislature does not have a statewide law making it clear what the law is and the standards, local school districts will start doing these things on their own and it'll be a mess. And we also told you that when they do it, they're not going to tell you about it or they're going to do it in a way that it's almost impossible for you to know about it. In other words, they're going to do it without transparency. They're not going to allow parents to get involved. They are afraid and they try everything they can do to avoid a robust discussion. So what happened in San Antonio a couple of weeks ago? The Monday before Hurricane Harvey rolled in, and we still continue to be in prayer and support for those efforts. I'm not trying to minimize that, but that was the week. The San Antonio School Board had a meeting. You remember all those press conferences and the hundreds of people that lined up to testify when the bathroom issue and privacy issue was discussed at the legislature? Remember that? I mean, every other day, a press release, a press statement, a press conference, mainly from folks that wanted to allow boys and girls bathrooms. But the issue was very active, okay? It drew a lot of attention, whether you were on one side or other, so to speak. Guess how many people showed up at the San Antonio School Board meeting when this issue came to the school board? One. It was on the consent agenda initially, which usually means it's issues that they don't consider controversial and a lot of people could, you know, care, well, that don't have, you know, there's not going to be any opposition. It's just almost a formality, if you will. It's not that big of a deal. Um, there was a group that spent a million dollars lobbying on this issue at the state legislature. And all of a sudden it's not a big deal. Does it seem strange to you that only one person showed up? Yeah, it seems strange to us. We weren't even aware of it. Why? Because the agenda item was worded in such a way, I mean, I'm just telling you, you wouldn't have known. You would not have been able to know what it was. And look, okay, I'm not, okay. I will stop short of saying that I know for certain that the school district intentionally did that to hide it from people so people wouldn't catch on to it. But it sure looks that way. I mean, and, and it's not a surprise to us because that's how it was handled in Fort Worth. Dripping Springs has not been w- wanting to talk about it. They wouldn't put the issue on the agenda. That's just how they do it because they don't want people to know about it. And then they can pass it and say, oh, well, nobody showed up. It wasn't even controversial. So here's the description of the new policy in San Antonio that allows boys to go into girls' bathrooms, shower rooms, and locker rooms because they have a new special legal protection based on gender identity, sexual orientation, and gender expression. Right? I mean, that was that's what's in the policy. Those words. Sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. And if this is such, this issue has so much support, you would think that that, those words would at least be in this description of like this 20-page long new policy that they adopted. Here's the description of the agenda item. Had you gone on Friday before the Monday and looked at the San Antonio School District's agenda. Approval of revisions to board policies. Capital DIA local, capital FFI local, and FFH local. What does that mean? (laughs) I mean... I don't know. What does it mean? It, it Does it mean sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression are going to be now placed in a legal classification that allows boys to go into girls' bathrooms and shower rooms and locker rooms? 
Yes, it does. Does that wording tell you that? No, you have no idea what it is. And honestly, as a lawyer, I'm 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 aware that they often call school district policies like sometimes they're FFH local. I, I mean, I might have recalled that maybe if I'd seen it, but I don't know. It might have gotten by us had we even seen it as well. So you can imagine the average parent had no idea. And I'm just look. If you look at some of the other descriptions, like a couple of letters down, they have one where they talk about springboard English language arts instructional. Why couldn't you have had that same description on this? Like as far as detail, it just seems very clear to me that they're trying, they tried to hide it. And, and why it's even more clear is because there were articles, only a few that came out afterwards by some smaller publications that said that there was a young girl from an all-girls academy that had been working on this policy change with the school district for some time, right? It, I mean, they knew that there was a big deal. She had gotten like 300 signatures. They knew that this was going to be controversial, and it appears to me they engaged effort and engaged in efforts to word it in such a way that people wouldn't know what it was, so there'd be no controversy, people wouldn't be aware, they wouldn't show up. And then they pass it and say, well, we put it on the notice on Friday, so we did what we were supposed to do legally, and it must not be controversial. Yeah, because nobody had an idea what it was. So we found out about it a day or two later when the usual people that support these things, the LGBT community, Equality Texas, um, I don't know, some other activists on this issue from the left were bragging about it. Well, or they're celebrating. I mean, don't get me wrong. They were quoted as saying this was a good thing, whatever. And so, yeah, after it was passed um, and no one knew really what it was, I don't Anyway, so we were very upset, as you might imagine, because like we've told you before, if you don't handle it, this is a state issue, the local school districts will do it and they will make a mess of it. And that's what the San Antonio School District has done here. They, I feel like, either intentionally or handled the issue in a way that kept parents from getting involved. But trust me, the parents have found out now and they're going to have something to say about it on Monday, September 11th, San Antonio School Board meeting starts at 530 uh, look, if you don't live in San Antonio, but you have friends that do, let them know. We need to turn a lot of people out to this meeting. So txvalues.org is our website. Go to our Facebook page, Texas Values. You can he- see more about that. Uh, and I'm going to finish the show with some detail on about it. And look, I know it probably always sounds like I'm shouting when I do this radio show. This is just part of how I am. When I get it, you know, passionate, when I get excited, when I'm really engaged in what I'm doing, I tend to raise my voice. Uh, I do have three children. Sometimes they don't hear me, so I have to raise the volume. But nonetheless, this is an important issue, okay? It is concerning when you have local school districts changing their local law, if you will, government officials changing their policy on these issues, When the state has rejected this same thing, the federal has rejected, they have tried to put the words sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression all stringed together in state law. Hasn't happened 
because it's controversial. It creates all kinds of problems related to religious liberty, related to privacy in bathrooms, and a whole host of other things. So they haven't been able to get the support. They try to pass it at the federal level. They haven't been successful. Obama tried to force you to accept this before he left office, and a federal judge said, no, we're not allowing you to do this. The judge ruled against Obama on this issue. So you'd think school districts would say, oh, you know what, then we probably shouldn't get involved in this because there's not any real legal standing for us to do this. We told you they would do it. No, that's not what their thought is. They're like, you know what? We want this or some people we know want it, so we're going to do it anyway. Even though it only affects a small amount of people and their accommodations that they can give where a child can go into a private bathroom. No, they've got to change the whole policy for everyone, even though it's really... It, you know, it impacts all students, even though there are only a few that have some of these concerns and those can be handled. But my point is, you know, it'd be one thing, right? If they were like, well, let's have a vote about it and let's let parents show up. Let's make sure they know about it. We know it's controversial. We know there's probably likely, you know, a lot of people that disagree. So let's let it all get aired out and see, let the chips fall where they may. No. We told you they wouldn't handle it that way because they didn't handle it that way in Dripping Springs. They didn't handle it that way in Fort Worth. They didn't handle it that way in Coppell Independent School District. The only reason or one of the main reasons these policies get changed at the local level is because people don't know about it. And oftentimes there's an effort by government officials to keep you from knowing about it. No transparency and a complete disrespect for parents and taxpayers. If that's the only way that you can get this policy passed, then I think it makes the case very clear that these policies don't have support and they're not necessary. But it also should make the case to you of why it's important to have a statewide law because they will run off and do whatever they want and most of the time people won't even be aware of it until it's too late or it's hard to roll them back. This is what accountability is about for voters and the government. School districts are not in some relationship with the state government like we are at the state level with the federal government. There's no local government autonomy and sovereignty. They exist because the state government put them into an existence. They are accountable to the state government. And instead, what they're doing, they are undermining the state government and state elected officials on this issue intentionally. Trust me, the lawyers that are advising these school districts are aware of litigation because I have seen emails sent in other school districts where they make them aware that there's litigation on this issue, that it's controversial. They're getting briefed by their lawyers. They're not just, oh, we had no idea some of this stuff. Trust me, they know the exact environment that they're stepping into and they're doing it anyway. Why? Because they don't think you as a parent will do anything about it and they don't respect you. Show them differently. Show up on Monday in San Antonio. Look, I don't care, even if you don't live in San Antonio, show up at the meeting because they're trying to push this in other school districts too. Don't think your voice is only relevant if you have a student in that school district. Uh, there are other school districts around that area that think that are saying they think it's a good idea too. Don't let them think that uh, they're going to catch you falling asleep on this issue. Well, look, we have a guest on the line after that long intro. Uh, <laughs> so 
Uh, we have a guest on, on the line today. Mark Ramsey is the chief of staff for State Representative Valerie Swanson. State Representative Swanson just finished her first term, sixth-generation Texan, four grown children, a good friend of ours, a very strong activist in her church community and greater community before she ran for office, very active in Sunday school and Bible study. I know she was involved in Concerned Women for America of Texas. And one of the reasons we want to reach out to her is because, look, there's a lot. She Her district includes the northwest part of Houston, and there's been a lot to deal with in Houston with Hurricane Harvey. And so we just want to get an update from her and see how things are going in the district. Mark Ramsey is subbing in for her as her chief of staff. Mark, Mark how are you doing today? Doing great, Jonathan. How are you doing? I hope y'all are a little drier than we've been the last couple of weeks here. But Well, you know, I was there on Monday, and um, boy, look, I grew up born and raised in Houston, went to law school in Houston, right. a lot of work to yep. do, but I was yep. very encouraged to see what appeared to me neighbors in the Christian community leading the effort to put things back where they need to be. Oh yeah. And, 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 and let me, let me just start. I don't know how many of your listeners statewide have been around any kind of widespread flooding, but Unless you've actually been through it, and and either yourself or seen your neighbors, we've we've got houses a block away that, fortunately, you know, we were okay personally at our house, but we've got neighbors a block away that had water up to the second floor. And uh, unless you've seen that kind of stuff firsthand, the the pictures really do not do it justice. if, if you wouldn't mind, let me just describe that a little bit to the people that may not have been through that. Um, you bet. It, it, it's, maybe it'll underscore the need. And and there's there's a big concern in Houston. This came out at one of the uh, one of the status update meetings just a couple of days ago. There's all kinds of meetings and conference calls going on with you know private groups and and government groups. And and like you said, the vast majority of the the boots on the ground kind of aid. Is, is coming through through basically three sources right now. Um, it, it's coming through local churches, which are just spontaneously jumping in and helping wherever they can, including what's called mucking out the houses. And, and what happens in a major flood like this is that all the drywall gets completely soaked, and the boards are soaked, the furniture soaked, the carpet's soaked, uh, the wood flooring is soaked, everything is absolutely destroyed on the first floor and it, and it only takes a few inches of water to basically do that it, it doesn't take water getting eight foot deep as some houses did or even more um, it only takes a few inches of water to do this and and the water is really really dirty water I, I mean think water that even if you boiled it you wouldn't want to drink it kind of stuff and uh, of course in some cases residents uh not very uh, palatable here, but but some residents had sewers back up in their house before the floods came. I mean, it's just it's just a horrific kind of situation here. Well, basically, those houses have to be completely gutted. The carpet's got to come out. The appliances come out. The, the furniture comes out. We've got these massive piles of debris in in these neighborhoods that are affected. Um, and, and I would say that I'm describing North Harris County. North Harris County actually 
Um, in the scheme of the, the Houston, Harris County area and the upper Gulf Coast, actually came out a little better than some areas because we may have only, I don't have any exact numbers, but we may have only 10%, maybe 20% of our residents affected. There's some neighborhoods, I was on a conference call early this morning with uh, the statewide agencies, and and there's some neighborhoods that as we speak have four to five feet of water in the homes that hasn't drained off yet. Uh, there's places in the Beaumont-Port Arthur region that they cannot get to the people via roads yet because everything is still so flooded. So everything is going off the news cycle, and everything is focusing on Florida and Mexico and the Mexican earthquake and, and all these other things that are going on. But the rebuilding is, it, in, in most cases, the rebuilding hasn't even started. We're still in this mucking process of trying to rip out everything, put it out on the curbside, and and start disinfecting the houses and drying things out. I, I mean, it's just, when, when you hear the it's news, enormous. Media, they, they, yeah, now let me jump in absolutely. real quick. Let me jump in real quick. Yeah. We're talking with Mark Ramsey, the chief of staff for state representative Valerie Swanson. Her district is in the northwest part of Houston, Tomball, Spring, um, some other suburbs and municipalities around that area of Northwest Houston, I think primarily off 249 and and so on. You know, look, the, I, I was there on Monday, and, I mean, there is a lot of work to do. And you're right, a lot of it is just kind of, you know, pulling all this stuff out of people's homes. I'm just looking at the district, goes up. It doesn't actually include 249, 45 north. It almost hits 249 on the east edge of yeah, Tomball, cool. 2920, right. and just north of 1960. So... You know, look, I, there is a lot of work to do. My team is going to be on the ground in Houston on Thursday. We're going to spend the day there helping out with Samaritan's Purse and anyone else that, you know, we can use our time to help with. Let us know. Uh, we're going to be checking in with some of our supporters, too, to let them know we're going to be on the ground. A lot of work to do. I was there on Monday myself personally. And, yeah, I mean, just, you know, some of the neighborhoods I was at on the east side of Houston – in Crosby, in close to C King High School, and then driving in through I-10 on the west side. I mean, it just hit all parts of the state. I was in Pearland at one, excuse me, the city. I was in Pearland at one point. And you're right. I mean, people just have everything cleared out of their home and just on the curb. But the work it takes to do to get to that stuff and get that out there is a lot, you know, and then just to clear the house out, right? And, you know, almost have everything stripped down to the studs and sometimes the studs have to be replaced The you know, the, the two by fours oh, and all yeah. that. And so, you know, and look, I mean, that's heavy labor too. That's a lot of work to do. And there's some people still have water in their homes. They're still waiting for the water level to drop so they can get to that point. So, you know, I commend exactly. the. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I might add Jonathan that I, I stopped by a business park yesterday, late, early evening. Um, late afternoon, early evening, and this business park, it's just a, a typical kind of strip center thing. Um, I, just coincidence, which, of course, I don't believe in coincidence, but, but the owners of the building were there helping trying to clean out. And uh, I, I, I chatted with one of the owners of the building and, and found out there's 26 businesses in this particular strip center. Um, 
of the 26 businesses, they're they're virtually all little mom and pop kind of small businesses. You know, screen printing, uh, various contractors, you know, whatnot. Small businesses. The place had never flooded before in decades, including major floods we've had in the Houston area before. And they had three to four feet of water in all these businesses. Every last one of them is shut down at the moment. And because they had never, ever flooded before, there was only one business of the 26 that even had any kind of insurance that will apply to this. And, I, I mean, well, you're, you're, talking about, you're, you're talking about people's jobs here because those 26 businesses represent 150, 200 jobs. And, and, and frankly, FEMA's kind of been dragging their feet and haven't been particularly helpful. What has been, we're, we're so grateful for, is there are 18-wheel trucks that just show up yeah. in the Gulf Coast area daily that are coming from all over the state and outside the yeah, state. Yeah, no, outside of the something. state. And I got I got six, yeah, yeah. I got sixty seconds left. So let's yeah, sure. let's uh, look, great work that y'all are doing. People are pulling together, but there's a lot of work left to do. You know, um, and so that's what I tried to keep mindful of in myself and our team is hey look, you know, um, there's a lot of work to be done after, you know, the water uh, dries out if you know once it hopefully does soon but right you know there is work to do and there's a way for people to get plugged in you know i've just seen some really encouraging stories though some people i spent time with you know when people show up to help and and you pray with them and spend time with them they do care that you take the time is that what y'all have experienced oh you're ab- oh you're absolutely right i mean you know the verse of the day on the the daily you version thing was uh, you know you're you're more blessed to give than receive and and i think people are are seeing that all around there's some major major efforts i mean samaritan's purse you mentioned i mean they've just been absolutely awesome local churches of course uh the srec has got an effort going that just spontaneously is linking up needs with supplies and things like that. There's one of the that's the uh, Senate, that, that's the Senate Republican Executive Committee. We yeah, and and folks, don't think this is an endorsement of the Republican Party, but they are helping genuinely. They're not out there trying to win votes. Um, we're, we got 30 seconds left. So Mark Ramsey, Chief of Staff for State Representative Valerie Swanson, has been our guest today. Look, there's ways to get involved. Don't think that, oh, I don't really have a lot of time, so it's not going to help. Please don't think that. Any little bit that you can do at any time helps. This is a team effort, so to speak. So get involved. Mark, thanks for being our guest today. You bet. My pleasure. Thanks, Jonathan, for all you do. You bet. Amen. Hey, look, we're about out of time. Go to TXValues.org. The San Antonio meeting with the school district is on Monday. We're doing a press conference early in the day. you got things going on in Houston. Um, you know, election activity is going to start ramping up a lot to follow txvalues.org you can also give us a donation tax deductible donation look give charitably to houston but we still have an organization we've got to run and work we've got to do too don't forget about us txvalues.org you can donate there 501c3 tax deductible give first to houston and if you got some left give to us as well god bless you we'll see you next week